I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You know, I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the Social Index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, I've got Norm Chait. He's the head of out-of-home practice for Ubimo. I think on the program today, we um, I know modernize my definition of what out-of-home can be based on what UBMO is doing with their location-based intelligence offering and bringing audience understanding, location, traffic monitoring, all to what seemingly, in my mind, has been kind of an old medium of out-of-home. On the show today, we're going to share an updated view of what out-of-home should look like today for marketers and what's possible with Norm Chait. Well, Norm, welcome to the show. Appreciate it. Well, I know you've got 15 years in out of home. Just curious, like what attracted you to out of home? Well, actually, my, my career sort of started on the traditional strategy and planning side on the agency side of the business. And what I found was, you know, we were doing these multi-million dollar campaigns that were inclusive of a variety of different media tactics, traditional TV and print and radio. And what always struck me was we might do some sort of $100,000 program on the platform of Metro North, giving out coffee or something, some sort of event-based, you know, smaller type of thing. And I've always found that that was what clients played back as, as 
the cool part of the activation. And I, something sort of kept nagging at me, like there's something here that gets people really jazzed. And similarly, I found that just kept happening and an opportunity kind of came across to kind of really embrace that space, just especially I saw where things were going, the ability to connect with consumers in a variety of different environments. There's also a certain amount of creativity in the out-of-home space, we'd often get calls throughout my career saying, hey, I'd like to do X, Y, or Z. Do you think we can make that happen? I'm like, well, you know what? Let me make some calls. Let me figure that out. It's not an obvious like, oh, yeah, just pay for the spot and there you go. Um, so I, I love all of those components. And I love the way that clients and marketers responded to their ads being live in the physical space. Yeah, there is something about the live experience or the experiential component. I think it brings a whole nother more senses to the equation, I maybe is the best way to put it. But I was looking at your background, it looked like 13 years were spent at MediaVest and then more recently on the technology side and, and joining uh, Ubimo. So let's help listeners. What What is Ubimo? So Ubimo is a, it, well, we do a variety of things, but ultimately, you know, everything is all about location intelligence and understanding what people do throughout their day and, and how, how we can help marketers connect with them in a more meaningful way. Specifically, as it relates to out of home, we're kind of one of the only, one of the few platforms specifically designed to embrace the out of home space. And I think historically out of home throughout my entire career as much as I love the space, I think where we were always lacking from a selling perspective was the measurement side of things, the ability to be smarter about why we're selecting, what we're selecting from an inventory perspective, how we justify that particular billboard or screen is, is the right location for a specific marketer versus another. So UBMO is bringing that science, that, that insight, that depth of knowledge to really make the planning, buying, the activation of out-of-home much more sophisticated. When we do that through a variety of ways, um, it, it all sort of starts with understanding mobile behavior and how people are navigating throughout a market throughout a market, moving from one place to another and, and understanding how that behavior, how that those activities overlap with out-of-home locations and marrying those two together, really bringing sort of the digital world, marrying it with the physical world, which is the out-of-home side of things together in a very sort of easy to use, understandable platform that again, enables a smarter approach to out-of-home. Got it. Got it. And so now my understanding is UBMO is part of Quotient technology. How does Quotient fit into the mix? If you guys are location intelligent, what is Quotient portfolio, if you will? Yeah, I mean, well, Quotient does a variety of things, but I think where, you know, where their sweet spot is, is, is helping CPG and, and retail marketers all, you know, just approve that overall shopping experience. I think if you think about, you know, when you're leaving your home and you're heading to a specific retail, um, whether a grocery or big box or C store, pharmacy, you know, those are all you know, meaningful touch points. So I think the reason why we are now part of the Quotient family is to, again, really enhance what Quotient was already doing through social and mobile, promo and coupons and a variety of different things that they were already working with with a lot of their CPG manufacturers to now layer in that sort of physical journey to also help consumers see a message, you know, help the marketers connect with those consumers right before they, they're crossing that threshold of a specific retail environment to reinforce brand purchase, you you know, help grow the size of the basket, you know, really make that last meaningful connection before people are heading into the store. Got it. Got it. Okay. Just based on the location technology alone and, and being able to, I guess, put traffic and people and behaviors of those people in, in the context of out of home, I'm guessing that's why UBMO is targeting the out of home 
ecosystem, if you will. Is that right? Is that a fair assessment to kind of bring measurement and this um, behavior aspect that otherwise would be kind of a void, frankly, for out of home? Yeah, I mean, uh, that was the part that I, I always was struggling with to, you know, I, I think typically, you know, putting my old agency hat back on is the way that out of home was often presented is, you know, you, you have images of these, you know, like the best possible, you know, shots of a billboard or maps and things like that. And you're putting them on a, you know, big screen in front of your CMO client that you're, you're trying to get to commit to an out of home campaign. And you're flipping through board by board and, you know, they might look at it and say, well, I know that looks location or I know that intersection or that that specific board it's like I'm not sure that that's really who I'm trying to connect with and it's a little bit it was a bit subjective and here at the end of the day it's still their money their decision they could choose to include it or not but what we are now able to do is is bring to them the ability to say what's well, less about who lives specifically on that street corner or who or who's directly in that vicinity it's it's where people are originating from and where they're going. And as they're passing that board, is there a higher likelihood to connect with a hair care purchaser or a golfer or you know a Honda driver or a frequent traveler, any of those, any behavior that's of interest. And if that particular board performs better than the, perhaps the one down the street, it gives us another data point and another reason to say, hey, this is why at a home and this particular location or mix of locations should be part of your plan. It keeps it stickier on a flowchart. It helps us grow the overall spend, I think, because the data historically was 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 missing. So our, we're excited that we're bringing more of that scientific approach to what has historically been a very kind of, you know, subjective decision-making process. Got it. Got it. I know from our prior conversation that you guys don't hold actual media inventory. So tell listeners and me a little bit more about like, how does a marketer work with you guys? And what are the different ways we could engage? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And I think what excites me about Ubimo being part of Potion are all the different solutions that we're able to bring forward. We started as a mobile DSP and that's still a solution that we support, meaning somebody wanted to extend or add a mobile layer, a mobile component to their marketing campaign, either as a standalone or as part of a broader um, initiative. We enable that solution. So we can retarget, we can you know, serve mobile ads. That's very much a, a capability. I think what our hero product is, is the programmatic digital at home DSP. So as you know, because we are looking to create an environment for advertisers, marketers, agencies to find the right inventory in the out-of-home space. We've created a programmatic dashboard, a DSP, that allows um, that everything starts with audiences, starts with behaviors, understanding of consumers, and marries that up with right screens, right time, right place. And that's probably one of the key things that we're, we're regularly talking about to our clients, both internally at Quotient, as well as um, to the agency world. Got it. Okay. Makes sense. And when you're doing that, and I think about the out-of-home board, if you will, uh, for lack of a better word, is it a digital board or is it uh, the old, older, if you will, analog boards, or is it a mix of both? So when we're speaking specifically around the digital out-of-home DSP, everything, all the assets that we are kind of curating and making available to the buying community, they're all digital. So it's a traditional digital billboard. When I say traditional, meaning it's a, it's a physical billboard like you would envision on the side of a roadway that a vendor media owner would have converted from a traditional vinyl wrapped around a frame to a large format dynamic digital display. Or it's venue-based environments like malls and gyms and salons and bars and restaurants. So there are screens and networks of screens throughout 
the country in a variety of different environments. All of that, that inventory, in our programmatic digital at home DSP, is made available in that platform, leveraging audience behaviors and insights to plan and buy those, those locations smarter. Now, we do also have a planning solution that we also support. So, for example, if an agency or marketer had a database of out-of-home locations that they've historically purchased or they partner with an entity that supplies them of all those assets, we are able to also give them insights around why is that traditional non-digital location, billboard, bus shelter, sidewalk, kiosk, the right one to select if you're reaching somebody who's a golfer or a laundry detergent purchaser. So those are also different solutions within our suite, but it all basically starts and ends with audiences and understanding what are these folks doing and how do we tie them back to physical location. Well, Norm, let's talk a little bit about the technology. What are the different elements, if you will, of the data that can be leveraged to better understand the types of people that either I can you know, essentially like buy, <laughs> buy their traffic, if you will, or understand who is actually um, seeing or, or being the traffic, I guess, that's driving around the out-of-home placement that I have? Yeah, that's a great question. And um, I mean, I think everything that we do kind of starts with audiences. It's audience segments and they're they're rooted in specific behaviors, right? So it could be places they visit, whether it's a QSR, a C-store, a gas station, whatever the venue might be. So, you know, are we seeing a representative sample of behaviors of people who are visiting those places. And if there's enough, you know, enough signals, enough from a scale perspective to start to, you know, understand or create insights out of those, those become audience segments that we then use to tie back to opportunities to connect from an advertising perspective. So it, it's, it's looking at observed behavior, how people move past certain inventory at a higher propensity than, than perhaps others, but it's all, it's a panel. It's all just a sample of the marketplace. Um, it is a large sample, but at the end of the day, it, is, it isn't a small grouping of, of people or devices because it wouldn't provide the right stability. So it's got to be at a certain degree of scale in order for it to even be possible to make some of those inferences and create an indexing capability. And typically, everything we do sort of starts with an index, meaning is it more than likely or higher than the market average to display that kind of behavior? So for example, if it's a for trying to you know target golfers, are we seeing those golfers at a, are we seeing devices on the golf course multiple times over a period of time? And where do they how do they navigate after they leave the golf course? Where do they go? Are they going to you know a gym or a mall or what as they're as they're driving around? What's the likelihood that they'll pass Billboard X versus Billboard Y? We're creating that sort of data set to you know, really as a catalog of audiences that um, an advertiser could say, hey, these are the folks I'm trying to connect with. Um, I think typically the out-of-home industry was more about, hey, I just want, you know, hip and trendy neighborhoods, or I just want, you know, major roadways. Well, we can obviously continue to deliver that. And that, that was typically more of kind of a real estate location-based approach, whereas now we can layer on top some of those additional filters, those additional sort of selection criteria to really fine tune um, and maximize efficiency, make sure the dollars that they're spending are as as focused as, as they can be. I have to ask, you know, in this world that we live in and in the fact that you've got this mobile geolocation data, how is privacy handled in this type of environment? Yeah, I mean, it's it's something we're, we're hypersensitive to, something we are always very careful about. There's never any PII that's available to us. There's like I mentioned earlier, it, it is a 
panel-based approach. It's literally just a sample of behaviors. It's something that we ensure everything, every signal we see, every segment that's built is based on opt-in um, data, and it's all based on location services. So in order for it's all app-based. So every, everything that we see, like I mentioned, is opt-in. But at the same time, as people are, if they're asked, they want to opt out, we make sure that we are cleaning our panel continuously to make sure that only the, the sample that we see are people who have agreed to share some degree of their behaviors. And again, it's all aggregated. It's all anonymized at a very high level. Let's talk about the COVID dashboards that you guys created. They were pretty fascinating, frankly, as you looked at like traffic pattern changes, um, you, know, you could see the drop down, if you will, across various markets that you were tracking. And now you in most recent times, you can see the traffic dramatically increasing, frankly. So I guess one, why did you guys start the, the effort to do these COVID dashboards? And then, you know, w- what trends are you seeing? Yeah, I'm happy to talk about that. It's uh, when when COVID started, basically became a reality for everyone, and the shelter-in-place orders were were put out there. People were told, "Don't leave your homes." To be in the out-of-home industry, suddenly we're like, "Oh my God, what what are we doing?" I think there was a bit of obviously shock. What? How do we approach the balance of the year? At first, we're like, "All right, let's let's make sure that all our marketing materials are up to date. Let's you know focus on just cleaning up everything and preparing for the back half and when things." get better. Um, And then what we realized is, how about we actually... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Lean on what we do best is the data, understanding what are people doing, even in a time like COVID. So we, we started to understand, and actually some media owners or partners who we regularly work with reached out and said, hey, is this, is this data that you can help us with to make sure that we could still tell a good story about where people are in relation to our inventory. And we said, you know, rather than do this as sort of a one-off vendor to vendor, partner to partner, let's put out a dashboard for the industry in the hopes of helping everyone ideally recover faster. So the more we can inform advertisers, decision makers around what's physically happening in the real world in real time, I think will ultimately help us get back to business, so to speak, quicker. So what we did was we started to understand, you know, where are the physical billboard locations? So it's roughly 340,000 pieces of physical locations, audited roadside inventory that normally are, are transacted on a regular basis. And how are people moving past them in, across the country by DMA? So typically when you're buying at a home, it's very market specific. My old agency days, we were always either 
recommending markets or being told these are the markets that are of interest to us. So you can go into the dashboard and select Albuquerque, Albany, Tennessee, any market across the country and look at one compared to the other, look at them individually and start to see, well, all right, here's the shelter in place order. Here's obviously the, you know, the, the decline in traffic. Then you start to see the flattening of the curve. And to your point earlier, we're starting to see that uptick, that recovery and giving people that depth of knowledge and updating it every single week really proved to be super valuable to us and restoring some degree of confidence in the out-of-home space that, hey, look, people are actually recovering. Recovery is going to look very different from DMA to DMA. And to be able to guide those conversations and create some thought leadership around what people are doing really resonated with, you know, with our client partners. It helped create momentum and out-of-home activation in this quarantine living time, which likely would not have happened if we couldn't tell that story. No, that makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. And I know when we were talking before too, that I hadn't thought about the fact that trips and people's movements during this time and many times can be more purposeful, meaning like, you know, it's not, you're not stopping at the grocery store on your way home from work. You're, you're actually driving to the grocery store to go to the grocery store and go back home. Yeah. I mean, that was really the big insight. And I think that specifically helped. I mean, there's a couple of things at play. One is, you know, because we have CPG and grocery retail and, you know, and those types of partners as, as you know, a core strength within the quotient family. Those are categories that is hard, you know, are historically underspent in out-of-home because the measurement wasn't there from an out-of-home perspective. So to be able to bring forward, one, the fact that pre-COVID we were reaching, out-of-home was reaching about seven out of 10 shoppers. And then to be able to say, well, during quarantine living, during post-COVID, we're actually reaching six out of 10. So yes, it's a decline in overall connections with with shoppers but those connections to your the word that we use almost every single day multiple times is is purposeful right the fact that they're leaving their homes literally thinking about stocking up for their families going to grocery going to see store going to gas you know, like big box those are the trips that they're making so here's a perfect opportunity to connect with those shoppers when they're thinking about shopping versus it being kind of part of a broader day of trips that they're making on their way home from school or work or commuting or soccer practice or whatever, coupled with the fact that there's an opportunity to actually resonate even greater. Because if you think about out of home and digital out of home and specifically the locations or the flips on a specific board, you're sharing that space with other advertisers. And a lot of those dollars have shifted into the back half of the year or been canceled completely. So normally, rather than having to compete for share voice with auto and entertainment, insurance and telco and other other bigger spenders, you know, CPG has an opportunity to, again, connect in a bigger way during those purposeful trips. Um, and that's really helped help the case from a first half of the year rationale for reinvesting in the at-home space. COVID has presented us with a lot of challenges. I'm curious as you think about it. I mean, we just talked about this one for the opportunity for CPG where maybe they it just didn't work out materially or there were too many crowded, you know, billboards, so to speak, competition that they were fighting with. How do you think marketers should be thinking about marketing differently during this time? It sort of comes back to, you know, making informed decisions, right? And in today's world, I mean, every dollar is scrutinized, right? So how do we demonstrate that out-of-home is as effective, if not more effective than a lot of the other media choices that they're making? And I think when you when you have things like dashboards, whether it's the roadside one, which we, we sort of focus on, you know, quite a bit because that is still the majority of the traffic, but then to also provide them insights into some of the venues, right? So, you know, people 
engage in a variety of different leisure activities, whether that's, you know, going to the mall or to the gym. And some of those things are clearly starting to open up. So let's let's demonstrate our ability to, one, prove that the traffic is there in some capacity. Those things are opening up. They're, again, market to market, DMA to DMA, or they, it will look different. But let's inform them with that data in real time. It's not based on sort of model historical uh, last year, this quarter, here's what we were seeing. It's literally from week to week. And I think that type of real-time sophistication. I think the fact that programmatic allows us to also pivot and be dynamic with what we do and where we do it. Because as we've seen over the last four or so months, you know, one market, one week changes to the next, right? As far as what, what's happening from a COVID perspective. So to be able to be fluid um, and nimble, move impressions from one market to another based on what's happening in that particular market to cancel if you need to cancel. Um, Again, giving marketers the ability to pivot when they need to pivot. And I think historically, a lot of the traditional media world is you bought something, you just sent an IO in, you're locked into that space, whether your creative's ready or not. So all of those things have been areas or blockers that we're trying to alleviate because we realize everything is much more moment to moment and anything that we can enable to give people confidence as well as accountability, measurement and flexibility. I think those things really resonate in today's day and age. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, I want to switch gears a little bit and uh, we always like to get to know the person behind the microphone. And uh, my favorite question to ask is, has there been an experience of your past that defines or makes up who you are today? Well, I mean, It's funny because I think we started the conversation sort of with the first thing that comes to mind is, is how I kind of got into this business. And it's, it started with me being a little bit kind of like, all right, a little bit of rinse and repeat on the strategic planning side with regards to, you know, didn't really matter if it was ketchup or beverage alcohol or laundry detergent. We you sort of buy a certain amount of GRPs and weekly weight levels and you put your plans together and you try to, you know, get creative with it. But I think it was this one program where we literally had guys on a Metro North platform with coffee jetpacks distributing people, you know, distributing hot cups of coffee for a major coffee brand and seeing people's faces light up, seeing those experiences. I think that really just made me have one of those aha moments. Like there's a way for us to connect with consumers in a different way, kind of move, move a little bit further away from kind of this passive exposure to more of an active engagement, find those meaningful connections. And that sort of evolved to, obviously, I still like the experiential side of, of our business, but the ability to to take data and insights and what people are actually doing and make a more more of a meaningful connection versus put your ad out there and hope somebody sees it. I think those are the things that sort of shape the way I look at the space today. I think it it's an everyday conversation we have with our clients today. So I think being able to justify why we're doing what we're doing has always kind of been a part of kind of my DNA. So that's what I really love about the Ubimo and Quotient organization because we're bringing that forward in a space that just notoriously was lacking that. What advice would you give your younger self if you're here starting starting all over again? So if we were sitting here face to face, I'd sort of say, I would point to my ears and say, use these, not not these, meaning my mouth. So try to listen more and maybe speak a little bit less as a, as a youngster, you know? So I think we come out of the gate with, you know, all sorts of ideas, but it's at the end of the day, it's like the more you can hear what people want, what they're asking you for, the more you can make more, I think, stronger connections with them, deliver a better product. The more you can hear what people are, are, are trying to solve for, what's going to resonate with them, the more you can either be a better friend, a better 
partner, a better husband or wife, what a, you know, a better, better everything really. Um, so I think the more we can understand what people want by listening, I think that gets us uh, further along. Gotcha. Well, this is kind of a silly question that I've added recently, but I, I kind of like it. <laughs> Wondering if there's been an impactful purchase of a hundred dollars or less, say in the last six to 12 months. I'm not sure how impactful it is, but personally I was, I mean, it's been my new nonstick pan. Like I love cooking. It's my creative outlet, right? So the ability to get a piece of equipment that allows me to do what I love to do and direct that sort of creative energy in a better way, I think um, impacts my life actually. You know, so my family, my kids, like they love the fact that I'm cooking better and using all the right tools. They get involved. So I think those are the things that um, might sound silly, but at the end of the day, like it's those, you know, for a hundred dollars or less, you can get a pretty good nonstick pan and, and, uh, and make some really, make those omelets that don't stick. So <laughs> I love that. I love that example. Recently, it's funny. There's been, a, there has been a little bit of a food theme in the last six months that another woman I'd interviewed uh, talked about ice cream uh, containers because her husband had just gotten an ice cream uh, machine and she had found these rubberized uh, storage containers for the freezer. <laughs> so. so it's those little things, right? They, they make your life a little bit better. Um, I think in these days where we are forced to be a little bit more creative, both on how we spend our time, because we seem like we have a lot more of it in many, in many cases, but then, you know, to hopefully also rediscover certain passions or our creative side, you know, these little gadgets, gizmos, inventions um, help us get there faster potentially. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, two more questions for you and then I'll, I'll let you go. Curious if there's brands, companies, causes that you follow or you think other people should be taking notice of? I always sort of go with like whatever brand, when I get asked a question like that, whatever brands like pop into my head at first, sort of go with your gut. So they may not necessarily be companies that people haven't heard of. I and mean, obviously there's they've kind of even been in the news a little bit, but what makes me think about, or I guess the way I would answer the question is what's changed my life and my behaviors because as a result of this company. And I, you know, honestly, Amazon is the one that came into my head because being a little bit older, my inclination is to still go to the store. Like, oh, I need, I need, I just ran out of something. Let me go to the drugstore and pick it up or let me go to the supermarket. And I was like, oh wait, I could just order it. So it's, it's completely changed the way, I mean, I think it's, it's obviously companies like Amazon, but obviously even our grocery retail partners who are shifting into a more e-commerce kind of approach, the fact that we have the ability to, within a day or two, get anything we want really at our doorstep has, has been continuously eye-opening for me. Even though this has been around for quite some time, I still kind of default back to like, oh, we have to go to stop here and pick it up. I'm like, wait a minute. No, we don't. We could just add it to the cart. <laughs> and then I think the other one also that's kind of changed the way I do things is Airbnb. I mean, I've, I look back over the number of years, it's disrupted these industries, right? It's it's changed the way I experience the world. I, it changes, like I think back to the experiences I've had with my family traveling, hotel versus, you know, these beautiful apartments in the middle of these places that you know, allow us to experience those places in a different way. So I think those are the kind of companies that change the way we do things on a day-to-day basis in a more positive way. And I think that kind of applies to what we try to do as an organization, how we change the shopping experience, how we change the way things, even just from a work perspective, are planned and bought. If we can improve that or disrupt it in a way that makes it better, I think those things are the things that I take notice of. Awesome. Last question for you. What do you feel like is the largest either opportunity or threat facing marketers today? I would say the probably the threat 
both an opportunity and a threat, I mean, I guess would be their ability to pivot and understand and react. I think there's sometimes, you know, can be a belief in an organization like, oh, we just stay the course and we'll get through this. But I think if we did that when, let's say, the COVID announcement happened and we didn't do anything and we didn't create the dashboards, we didn't use what we had available to us to change the direction or create or mine the data for a new story or, you know, think about how people are interacting with our brands or our, our products and adjust accordingly, you're setting yourself up for failure. So, you know, if we think about buying agencies, for example, who just bought at home in the most traditional way, like they're now starting to think about programmatic buying, using audiences, using data. So those that don't, I think, stand to potentially get left out in the cold, become perhaps less relevant because they just didn't think the industry was going that way. So I think the good news is we're seeing a lot of the, the industry react in a, in a way that they know that they've got to adapt. They've got to, you know, or else they're going to lose budgets. They're going to be left by the wayside. So I think the ability to kind of see the change coming, use the strengths that they have, take the time to learn if they haven't started to already and plan for the future. Love it. Well, Norm, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, my pleasure. I'm really glad to connect here, Alan. Like, uh, hopefully this is helpful to the industry. Um, it's, it's the things that I'm passionate about. So really, really happy to be a part of the, the show this morning. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me. If you're new to Marketing Today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love to hear from listeners and you can contact me at marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you'll also find complete show notes with links to anything we talk about on any episode. You can also search our archives. I'm Alan Hart and this is Marketing Today. Marketing Today.